Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Robert Hutton. Robert, we're on pilgrimage. We continue. Our waistlines are expanding. We are, but actually today we get to talk about something good, Deacon Jeff, because people come, all people come to the Lord's usually asking for a miracle or for healing. Everyone gets healed in some way, I think, spiritually. But sometimes there are actual healings, don't you? You know, and I think there's a lot of skeptics and doubters out there in the world. And I got to admit, about a lot of things, I'm a sort of a reasonable skeptic, right? I like to look. It's like that hasn't happened to me. That the apparitions haven't happened to me, or or something. And I, I understand why people might think. You know, does this still really even happen? Do we ever have these things happen? But still? our faith teaches us that miracles occur. Jesus performed miracles, and I think miracles have happened throughout our life. Things we can't explain. Things where the Lord right. has touched us in some way. And I think we've got a great guest here to talk about how. Right, we have Katie Page. She's yep. a dame of Malta, and Katie. I mean, while welcome, by the way, Thank I'm so you. glad you're Thank here, you. Katie. Thank you for having me. Um, well, and the reason why you're here. See, I love guests that like going like. Why do you have me here? <laughs> Who am I to be here on the Catholic? This is the luxurious corner booth, and you're here because we, we I, I, for the first time, got to hear just a little tidbit of your story when we were gathered out in front of the Rosary Basilica, and we were having like a little team meeting. So we were mm-hmm. gathered in front of these wonderful, beautiful Malads that, that come here. They're all seeking some kind of answer, some kind of sense of peace healing, just some kind of connection with God and through the Blessed Mother. And it's such a beautiful experience. And then people would have an opportunity to kind of speak. And then you spoke up. And I'm thinking, well, who's this? Because she looks like all the other dames, right? She's got the little white uniform bed, on. The white, yeah. Sure, and I thought, well, this is another one of these folks who's going to tell us a little something. It'll probably be nice. But then you kind of floored me with your story. And, and so I thought, you know, Robert, we need to get her I on. Know. I was crying when you talked. Really? Yes, he, I he, was. He, he, You didn't see him. And I thought if you saw yeah. him, because he was it trying was. not to bust up. But his Robert gets this yeah. look on his face. It was like a he's, great story. He's standing really? on a Thank thumbtack you. or something. But it was really, really moving him. As I, I mean, I was moved, too. And yeah. I'm going to be honest with you, Katie. Everyone was moved. And I'm not trying to set this to so high that, like, you better move all of our listeners. <laughs> sure. But, but I think if we just kind of talk through what happened to you. Because um, if you were going to like theme this show, I think we'd just call it, you know, are miracles real? But do miracles happen? Do they still happen? Right. You know, so with the concept of, of miracle uh, and maybe when you were like as a as a young kid, you weren't really thinking about miracles. Not you didn't at all. Put a thought to it at all. Not so, at all. So, so tell us, I mean, maybe start right away with, with what happened with a bad diagnosis. You know, <laughs> yeah. what, what, I what's going on? I wish it was a bad diagnosis. So. When I was eight years old, I was diagnosed with ALL, mm-hmm. and I did chemotherapy. Acute lymphocytic leukemia. leukemia. Yes. So right. Just for cancer. Job. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Bad, yeah. bad yeah. stuff. That's yeah. when you were eight years old? When I was eight years old. Okay. And I did chemotherapy for two and a half years, and I went into remission. And about a year and a half after I had stopped chemotherapy, I, I su- suffered a relapse. And right. I was 12 years old at the time in 1986. You know, at that age, did you really understand the gravity? Because oh, as an eight-year-old, you don't. I mean, I've got nine kids, and I know right. I know what my kids can handle, what they Correct. understand. Correct. And you know now. Correct. But Obviously, you lived, you, right. But you lived right. it. So, and you know, um, every, I get that question a lot. Actually, yeah. 
Um, it was just part of my life. I don't, you know, I look back right. and say I can't imagine my life without that happening. You know, would it would have been differently? It's part doing, of who you are. It's, it's a part fabric of, of who it's, you are. It's, yes, yes. Well, absolutely. bless your parents for that yes, process absolutely. to help you see that and not because I know as parents we talk about things like this and we're devastated. Correct. And, and how do you not look devastated in front of your child? Absolutely. And I, as a parent, I yeah. absolutely can say that. So, I want my relapse occurred in 1986, mm. and in 1986, um, getting a bone marrow donor was not as easy and accessible as it is today. The test isn't as easy and there was not a national registry. And it was, it was kind of, I don't say new, but it was like, it was not as widespread as it is now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, my family went in for the testing and after the testing, the test results, we received the test results. My brothers were compatible for each other but not for me. And I don't understand all the ins and outs of that stuff, but when they come out and tell you that, you don't really get to right. argue that. Correct. No, I didn't even, I mean, right. I didn't even know that that was why they were there. It's like a death right. sentence, basically, well, right? Yes. Because so, if you can't find a bone marrow compatibility, then you can't get the transplant. You can't. Correct. And they didn't have big, huge donor lists. Nope. And nope. So. Nope. And there were, I believe, and I'm most positive that there were only three places in the United States doing the transplants at, right. in 1986. So um, we moved on. They went to a second option, and they put together an experimental protocol that they actually got out of Germany called the Berlin-Munich-Frankfurt Protocol. And it was a combination of drugs um, because I wasn't a child, but I wasn't an adult. Right. And so they threw it all together and hoped for a medical, their medical miracle. Right. Because they're just basically just kind of like, Throwing right. stuff in the air and hoping it works. At Correct. That point. I mean, exactly. It's 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 it's, 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 it's it's guided, but they're throwing a hail mary yes, without invoking right. our they blessed mother. Absolutely, name. they were throwing a hail mary. <laughs> and these are things because they're killing cancer. That's tricky because if they give you too much, it could mm-hmm. kill you. Absolutely. It's, it's trying to kill the cancer, not kill you. And it's kind of funny that you say that because I um, had had multiple conversations with different doctors of my doctors and said, you know, did you ever think about the long term side effects of all these drugs for all of us? And they looked at you know looked at me and said, no, we were trying to save your life in the moment. Right, because there were side mm -hmm, effects to all this stuff. There are side effects to all this stuff. And so, yes, as a 43-year-old adult, I'm... starting to come back to me so i've been very blessed with the gift of health but all of a sudden yeah i'm going in a little bit more often and having a whole bunch of different tests done that you know normal young women my age are not right. having done so yeah so i um started the protocol the induction was really intense and um my i just had I was, had a fever a very high fever and so i was hospitalized um when my Eighth grade, the eighth grade teacher of my school and my principal showed up and said, we, we have an application um, for Lourdes with the Order of Malta, and we'd like you to fill it out. Mm. And we, had, we were not familiar with the Order of Malta. My parents were not. And we filled out the application, and I, my mother said to them, when is it due? And they looked at her and said, tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. So the selection committee was meeting tomorrow in San Francisco for the trip in May. And this was wow. like the second week of February when I was in the hospital. And within a matter of days, I found out that I was chosen to go on the pilgrimage oh, that's such a with the Order thing. of Malta. So, yes, it was, yeah, it's timing. Timing's everything. But it's, you know, at that point, I, I wonder if sometimes, like, maybe a kid might see this as kind of like the, and I don't want to uh, downgrade the importance of organizations like this, but like the Make-A-Wish Foundation, where it's like, 
you know, there's not really much we can do, but we can make you feel better. We can take you on a nice trip, and you can go to some religious, spiritual sites, and maybe there'll be some kind of thing. There. I don't know if you thought through that process, but um, I have a story about that too. But that's a totally different a story. different story. So maybe my, yeah, show yeah, number yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, so I actually found. Yeah, that's a whole different story. So, so you're taking the protocol here. So I'm taking the protocol, and um, really I, rough at the beginning. I had very, very rough at the beginning, and I had kind of what they considered peaks and valleys. And so my Jewish oncologist, who I love dearly, still alive to this day, um, basically put and me. You, we we, we, we want to say we mentioned he's Jewish because yeah. that, that figures into the story. Yeah, absolutely figures into the story. <laughs> so Not that we care about whether when we, he's when we, when we were when we were applying, he wasn't really sure why we were going going yeah. to do what we were going to do. And he, you know, loved me so much, loved my family that said, okay, this is part of who you are. So absolutely, I will sign on to whatever you want to sign on to. So I was, you know, he set me up so that I was in a place to take, do the pilgrimage in the first week of May where I was going to receive chemo right before I left. So my counts would be very high and would be able to travel. Right. um, Because you've got to be of a certain level of health just to get on these airplanes and go across the Atlantic. Absolutely. So, um... Um, in the days leading up to the trip, um, I started to, my, I, I just felt really, really bad. And to basically explain how I didn't, you know, wasn't feeling well, um, I was developing sores in my mouth and on the outside of my mouth. And within a matter of days, probably two to three days in, I couldn't swallow so anything. So was this from the, the... This was probably a side effect. Of but the more protocol. And or probably my lack of immune system. My blood counts were very low. Oh, you couldn't right. eat. You, you couldn't, couldn't eat. Rotten. I couldn't, couldn't eat. Swallow. I couldn't swallow. I couldn't swallow pills, which was really, you know, they were like, uh-oh, this is a problem because we need to get those pills because I was taking a lot of chemo orally. And so um, she said, we better go see Dr. Joe. And we went up on a Saturday afternoon. And he met us in his office, and he just looked at me and said, yeah, this is bad. So um, and then over the next 24, 48 hours, it got worse. It got Awful. worse to the point yeah. where it was just so painful. It was just a very, very painful. I can't even describe it to this day. I, I don't think I've ever had pain so great in my mouth, like a really severe sore throat. Yeah. So then um, my father, who never takes me for chemotherapy, um, he always, my mother was always the hospital person. My dad right. was the side effects person at gotcha. home. So they had their roles offered to take me to chemo because my mom was going to be home packing for this trip that we're supposed right. to leave for, um, on Wednesday morning. And so, um, so we're right at the first week of May and he drove me to San Francisco and we showed up at the ER with my blood counts and Dr. Joe took the blood counts out of the envelope, looked at the blood counts and said, George, Katie, I can't give I can't give you chemotherapy today, and of course I was so excited because all I heard was no chemo. Right. So I'm dancing in the middle of the ER. Except, except the problem was that my blood counts were so bad. He said if I give her chemo, it's going to kill her. The yeah. drugs will kill her. She, the blood counts were the white blood counts were so low, and the platelets were so low. That right, but this would affect your ability to go on the trip oh, as well. Oh, yes, it would. Yes, it would. So he basically, um, my dad said, well, we have a problem. Um, Katie's supposed to get on a plane tomorrow to go to Lourdes with the Order of Malta. And he, Dr. Joe looked at me and said, no, you, no need, you, you need to postpone this trip by a week. And we need to get her admitted upstairs right now. Yeah, but he didn't understand that like this trip took place and what nope. the Order of Malta nope. did and the nope. pilgrimage. Nope, and he didn't know what we had signed on to. So did he to. tell you you couldn't go? He basically said, you know, 
you can't you can't do this and my father said well we don't have any other choice her health is going downhill and this is all we have left you've done everything you can do for her and what a fateful decision he made uh-huh. by saying that yes. which is a good fate and without yeah. calling my mother too i mean yeah. we didn't wow. have cell phones and the fact that he there had, are no cell phones had taken so, her, that's just yeah. that's just really that's really powerful and so here we are at this uh incredibly important juncture in your story and that's when we're going to take a break all right <laughs> we're gonna take a break because we i like to leave people on the cliff okay just waiting like what's what's next sure because there's some great stuff coming up we're going to continue to talk to katie page who's a dame of malta telling her telling her story robert yes. uh before uh we we're going to take a break before we do that i want to remind folks at home we got a great website thecatholiccafe.com come and visit our website find out more about us but also i'd love to hear from you send me an email tell me your great story i'm sure you've got one deacon jeff at thecatholiccafe.com with that we will be right back I'm Bess Drzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. How do we determine that we are following God's will? Perhaps if it is virtuous, then God wants us to do it. But if it is a pious, good, and virtuous act, is that enough to tell us that God has willed it to be done, and it is what he wants for us? This can get tricky. But St. Ignatius of Loyola can help. St. Ignatius of Loyola was a Spanish saint born in the late 15th century who became the principal founder and the first superior general of the Society of Jesus, better known as the Jesuits. St. Ignatius devised a simple test for determining God's will in our lives. He tells us that we must look at the fruits of what we are doing. That will tell us whether or not God willed it to be done. If it has good fruits peace, harmony, and happiness, then it is more likely that we are following the will of God. If it has bad fruits, discord, pain, and disharmony, then it is more likely that we are not properly discerning God's will in our lives. A man wakes at 4 a.m. every day and spends four hours in prayer, which would ordinarily be viewed as a virtuous act. But if he is married, He may encounter a wife who becomes angered by the fact that he is no longer helping her get the household ready for the day, making breakfast and bathing and dressing the children. St. Ignatius would tell us that because of the bad fruits of his morning ritual, the upset wife, the disharmony in the household, the man might be being influenced by the evil one, Satan, who often comes to us in the guise of light. St. Ignatius would suggest that if the same man prayed the same amount, but at times of the day more in accord with his family's schedule, the fruits might very well include a more harmonious household and a happier wife. Thus, St. Ignatius would tell us that this was truly following the will of God. So often in our daily lives, we need affirmation that the road we have chosen was indeed the one that God had intended us to take. While the world may tell us one thing about the choices we make, the fruits of those choices cannot lie. We need only to take the time to examine our actions and their results to determine if God was truly served in carrying them out. Because of his life dedicated to the good fruits of a faith-filled life in Christ, St. Ignatius was canonized a saint in the year 1622. His feast day is July 31st. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history.
Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm still Deacon Jeff. Haven't changed my name yet. We've got Robert Hutton here. We're sitting here in Lourdes, France, in the French Catholic Cafe. Listening to a profound story. Yeah, and we're talking to Katie Page, who is a dame of Malta, who's got an incredible story. And she's a young... Now, she wasn't a dame of Malta back at this time. No, just a young... A young 13. 13. 13. See, oh. they all look the same to <laughs> That's me. all right. I'm 55 now, so it's like they're all kids. That's You're right. a kid. I know. So you start taking this protocol, and, and right. then we're talking about going to Lourdes, and you got this trip. Was offered to you by somebody who knew somebody, whatever, Within and, the order. and then that you're, but the protocol is causing possibly the medicine, but possibly just your immune mm-hmm. system causing this horrible, terrible infection. Correct. And a lot of people think like, well, you know, you rub a little salve on it, but it's just like, this is from top to bottom. This is literally uh, through your whole body, through my whole body, and it's uh, it's devastating because you can't take the medicine you're supposed to be taking. I cannot. The, your counts are terrible, and the doctor says don't Correct. go. The doctor is, says, don't go. Right. We need to admit you and get that infection treated immediately. And so there was a chance that you were, uh, you know, your prognosis for surviving cancer was probably better than surviving, surviving this Correct. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Um, and I know that the prognosis that you were experiencing, that that was not a good no. What percentage did the doctors they tell gave you? They gave me a 3% chance of long-term survival when they could not find a transplant donor for me. Yeah. I mean, and that's and that's code for you all need to start making preparations. Correct. Right. And take Correct. every moment that you and have. And they did. And, of course, you're still going through all the pain and the suffering, et cetera. So you, it's like we're going to And Lourdes. Doc said, okay, I respect your decision. You do realize you're taking her out of the hospital right. against doctor's orders. And my father said, yes, it's our faith. It's all we have left. And he said, okay, um, if anything happens to her, I'm on the first plane right. to wherever she is. Right. So well, that's nice. Across the big blue ocean. Because mm-hmm. the doctor really did care about you. He did. This Jewish he did. oncologist. He cared so much about me that one day I needed a blood transfusion, and he went right up and donated for me and brought it back down for me. So he's a, he's, so he's, he's a good guy. He's so we don't a want to paint him guy. as a bad Absolutely guy. Absolutely not. Um, and certainly, so you're in Lourdes, and you're sort of experiencing for the first time uh, this pilgrimage concept I am and expo- all of that. Yes, Did I they had, haul you around in carts? Like They hauled me around in a cart. Um, I had people that were taking care of me that I had never met before. Um, they were all wonderful volunteers, um, part of the, a religious order, and I knew nothing about them. And right. then, I mean, honest to goodness, almost now, part of my family. Right. Part of my family. And you're 13. I'm 13 right? at the time. Yeah. And, and so then they, there's this whole thing here when you come to Lourdes, and the big deal is you go into the baths. And we, we can talk. We, we've, we've done other shows about this, about Mary says, dig right over there, mm-hmm. and little Bernadette digs over there, and here comes this stream of water. And, then, and it turns out over time, this water is very special water. Correct. Correct. Right, and so so the big deal is let's go and get in the baths. Let's go and get in the baths. Right, because so, there have been many kind of, you hear about mm-hmm. healings. And I've heard about healings. I've heard about healings in the baths. I've heard healings about it during Eucharistic adoration. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of healing that takes place here in Lourdes. Right, and now again, I'm the reasonable skeptic, mm-hmm. Katie. I mean, I, I live a life sometimes. I want to make sure that I'm not just falling for things. And so sometimes it's hard for people listening to go, wow, miracles, do they really exist anymore? But here you are. And I, I can't even imagine what your mind is going through. I can't even imagine what your parents are thinking and experiencing in this moment. Correct. Other than just maybe some tearful hope of, Absolutely. Lord, is there my anything? Mo- my mother placed me at the feet of Our Lady. She tells me that all the time. And she said, whatever your will is, we're open to it. So here's my child. And she gave me to Our Lady when we were here. 
Now, so you, you're 13, and they wheel you into this they bath. They wheel me into the now, bath. the parents don't get to go back there with you. No, actually, it depends on the, the situation. situation. Is it, so I believe that because my mom and I were separated while we were walking down to the bath, that she was not next well, to me. Well, it's just that when the, right. when the, when the, with those lovely French, the hospitalité, we call Correct. them, and they're beautiful people. Yes, they are. Consecrating themselves to Our Lady of Lourdes is so beautiful, and yet there's still that sort of European kind of, no, 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 no. Oh, absolutely. No, 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 no. You are over here, over here. And Take some of them clothes. don't speak English. Like, they so don't, cool. they, exactly. They right. don't speak English, so I was brought in. And Might be a little intimidating and scary. Absolutely. For a so I was sat, was sitting in my cart, and I, my mother said to do exactly as you as you are instructed. And I sat there and I waited and I waited. And this gentleman came up and he picked me up out of the cart and he put me on top of a wheelchair and he wheeled me over to a bench to open up a curtain and picked me up off the wheelchair and put me down on the bench and then shut the curtain. And I just said, okay, so I'll do what I'm told. <laughs> And and then I was instructed by a woman who came out from a curtain and said, pointed at me and said, you, come here. So yeah. I did. Yeah. And I was brought in and she basically told me to take off my clothes. Well, you got to disrobe to get yes, in the bath. Dis- you don't get in disrobe, there. Disrobe, take off your clothes. And it's a very, very modest process. And so. Oh, they're, and they're very, they're gracious oh, people. Oh, they're so wonderful. You're wrapped they're in a so, towel. Yes, you're wrapped I'll in a be towel. a cold, wet towel. And so um, <laughs> I took, you know, I'm a child and they, you know, there's very, there was little to end little English spoken. I was trying right. to try to decipher anything. And there, no, I really, there was no English speaking women there at the time. That's okay. So I did the bath. I stepped in. I went into full shock. Yeah. And I, cold. I was cold and I came out and I asked the nice lady where the towels were. And she looked at me and said, there are no towels. <laughs> Miss. She's like, you come out, you get dressed. And I looked at her and said, no towels. And they put the, you know, the sheet back on me and I got out and sure enough, I got back to my seat and I was completely dry. And a very warm sensation came over my body, which was very overwhelming because I was trying to process this whole thing all the while wondering where my mother was. <laughs> so um, I came out, got put my clothes back on. The two women taking care of me had a lot to put back on their their robes, their you know their their veils, their uniforms, and said, "Why don't you go outside and wait at your cart?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "Sure, I will go outside and wait for my at my cart." So I opened the curtain, and then I stepped out of another curtain, and the gentleman who had plopped me on the wheelchair basically started jumping up and down saying, miracle, miracle. And I was looking at him, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, are you talking to me? And he's saying, miracle, miracle. And I said, "What? no, no, no. And he's like, you can walk. And I said, well, of course I could walk, but, you know, I, I don't know what he saw to this. I mean, I look back at this experience and I don't know what this man saw. And I thought it was, he thought maybe I couldn't walk when I was, cause I was just, I'm not sure, just sitting in the cart, not moving. And you might've thought that he was just kind of like a nice guy or whatever. A language barrier too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. But he, he definitely would, said miracle. And so yeah. and, 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 and again, you don't know to this day, I don't know. right? I don't know. Uh, and so you're now doing the rest of the pilgrimage and I know you couldn't, you couldn't eat I anything. I could not eat. I was unable to eat on that Pan Am flight, you know, all the way through the, through the States of over to Paris, I was unable to eat anything. So what happens though? What will you on suddenly get Sunday, So this was, the baths were Friday. On Sunday, going into Monday, about 1 a.m. in the morning, I sat up in bed and I told my mom I was starving and I really needed food. I said, please, please go get me some food. So she, Oh, but honey, you know, you're not going to be able to eat. It's going to hurt. You haven't been as... But it's she, exactly but what she, she said. But she, she did. She said she went across the street to the, one of the cafes that was still open. Um, bought me two hot dogs, some French fries, and a Coke. Do you still remember the taste of those? <laughs> I do, actually. I do. And so I actually had a hot dog. So all those <laughs> listening, uh, so. you know, the Blessed Mother wants us to have hot dogs yes. and hamburgers and French fries and Cokes. <laughs> That's so right. So kids, take that to the bank. Yes. 
But, so, but you were able to eat it. Um, she brought it back. I devoured it. I was so hungry, and I've heard numerous you know, theories as to why all of a sudden I could eat. Um, that could have been the miracle that, you know, was the infection in the throat gone. Um, they said that those who receive miracles, I guess, become very hungry right after, like mm-hmm. if something's happened to them. And then there's also another theory that a state of cachexia where right before you die, you could become right. hungry as well. So I've heard that from numerous people. I've heard it from priests and doctors. And so nobody really knows what, or what I, you know, obviously. But now, you were eating. I was eating and I was so happy to eat after 10 days of not being able to eat. It's so real food. And so for the next five days, my caregivers, every single time they would drive past the Jean d'Arc Cafe, they would stop and buy me a hot dog. Mm. And I became the kid who ate all the hot dogs. That is awesome. So let's fast forward. You came home. Absolutely. Right? Because normally people come home and they go back to life or whatever as much as they can Mm. in those situations. And yet your doctors started looking and going, where's this infection? So I got off the airplane and I was taken almost immediately to, to Children's Hospital. And they scoped me back and forth and... They could not find any infection that had been there prior. Right. So, um, and basically after that, I had a blood transfusion and my health did a 180. Yeah, and so that was not planned, right? No. That was, and the doctor's like going, this is, we don't, we're flipping through pages here. Correct. Trying to figure out what to say and what to do. And we don't want to sound optimistic, but right. she's getting better. The mm-hmm. infection's completely gone. No medicine for the infection, by the way. It was never treated. So. Our lady had her hand in my infection. That's that's incredible. And what of the cancer? The cancer, um, I was I never relapsed. I have not relapsed. I um, the cancer's never come back. I've been cancer free. So your three percent thing is looking a lot, a little better. Just a little right? bit, yeah. And, and much. I know we don't want to measure life by days and weeks and years, but just the quality of what we live on that day. The quality of life. Changed. And I imagine that the quality of your life has changed amazingly. It has changed amazingly. in thirty years. It has. It has. Um, I was. A lot of things have happened. I've had two children. Was that uh, supposed to happen? No, I was not supposed they to be able to have no. children. They told no, you no. I'm 16 okay. years old. They Thank you, blessed mother. Be. Yes, yeah. I've had two beautiful children, Nicholas and Caroline. Um, I met my husband here in Lourdes. That's I, that's just so cool. So in 1995, this is my 24th trip to Lourdes in Thanksgiving for all my on all the blessings I've been. So given for all the people that say do miracles exist, I think they do. You would probably echo what that little French guy mm-hmm. shouted. Miracle! Up and down. Miracle! Miracle! That that is so beautiful, and just to give people a sense of hope, and uh, and actually, I think they're this. You're in the process of you're meeting with the medical people, I've right? Been, they're reviewing you know, all this over stuff. The so past it, twenty years, I've been right. with the medical people. So because they're years. they're looking at there's lots of these these mm-hmm. cases, lots and so of them. Mm-hmm. we may hear about a few you know dozen here and there, mm-hmm. but there are so many thousands of people who have had these kinds of experiences. Yes, everybody who comes here gets a miracle. That is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. That is, Katie, thank you so much for sharing that story and just, you know, maybe offering some ray of sunshine or hope for people uh, who, who are just going through a rough time in life. Absolutely. This is fantastic. And you know what? Just in line with you and the mantle of the Blessed Mother, we're going to end the show with just a, that simple prayer that we all know so well. Hail Mary, full, full of grace, grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed, blessed art thou among women, women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com, where you can find out more information about The Catholic Cafe, listen online, download MP3s, or subscribe to our podcast. 
You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta, Federal Association, and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time. <laughs>